wands are an iconic tool in the craft, but their length, wood, and shape affect our practice at levels that only the creator of that wand fully comprehends. In this episode, we explore the creation of wands with Master Wandsmith Brendan McCormick. With his 30 years experience in ritual artistry, we're going to deep dive into how wands are born, how various woods affect our magic, and the unusual requests he's received over the years. This is Witchcraft Deconstructed. This is your resident wizard, Reverend Wade. And this is librarian and witch, Cassandra. And with us today is a master wandsmith of 31 years. He's residing just outside of Ottawa, Canada, offering his ritual artware through McCormick Wands. Brendan, I'm a huge fan of your work. I have three of your wands. I got the, I've got the, the, uh, the Reckoning, which is this, this awesome African blackwood. Uh, and I, I love your stuff, and I love following your stuff. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not so much the work that you do, but the, the passion that you put into making every piece just a little bit different, uh, and, and not just lathing it, but just really putting uh, a lot of detail into some of these pieces. It's absolutely fabulous. So I want to start off with, you know, established in 1989, hundreds of ones on Instagram, Facebook, and your website. Mm-hmm. Where does your story begin that brought you to making wands? Mm. Well, that's a very good question. And, and, and thank you, Chris and Cassandra, for having me here. Um, it, the, the story, I, I think I've, I've asked myself this a number of times because, um, as you said, about 31 years, I think business-wise, um, I've only really maybe just a couple of months perhaps under that. But uh, I think I started when I was uh, I was fairly young. We, we had kind of grown up in more of a, um, well, actually quite a Catholic household, uh, which might come as a surprise, but um, I ended up questioning some of, of that quite young um, and, uh, and perhaps maybe asking some of the right questions, which led me down different paths. Um, and more, more of a, uh, sort of a generalized paganism path, uh, and looking into different energies and different histories and so on. But something that always struck me is that there was always a use of wands. And I I mean, of course, this was much before anything Potter came out. And so, uh, what I was reading when I was quite young would be a lot of history that would be, uh, different archaeological digs um, uh, coming from uh, backgrounds from Norse mythology or Celtic mythologies or Egyptian, as an example. And, and of course, I mean, I was, I was younger. And so having a wand around, of course, making something that you'd see even at that times in movies or shows or, or whatever, but very, very early on, right from the get go, I think just questioning things, uh, that's where it really began. Um, mm-hmm. Family, different family that I have were into woodworking. Nothing very serious, but I would always tag along and find myself even three or four years old being in some sort of a workshop, some sort of a garage, and whatever piece of wood I was able to get, well, that became something. And my favorite thing to make of course, was a wand. So that's where it really began. Um, and then from there, of course, just looking at different 
cultures, different backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, uh, and the use of wands or, uh, you know, wand-like tools, essentially, that you could find in, in very many different backgrounds. Again, questioning different things. Uh, and then my skills kind of grew a little bit more. So uh, I think just f- from that, those beginnings um, and finding the right people, asking the right questions to the right people and getting the information back that you can explore and, and build on. And so it was just it was just a domino effect going on from there. So yeah, so I think I think you know 30, 31 years of, of, of doing this has led me down a number of different paths. Um, but still from the beginning as it is now, uh, finding designs or finding things that I just enjoy, finding the connection of the elements in the different woods. And that's sort of what I focus on a little bit more than most, I find. Um, and keeping designs simple. When, you, uh, yeah. when, you're, when you're designing your wands, uh, mm-hmm. how do you... what? What is your inspiration for some of these? Because these are dramatically different. It varies from wood to wood. And this is something that you learn over time, uh, not just learning the properties of each wood, um, you know, as you go, the, the, the metaphysical properties of the wood, or uh, perhaps uh, design cues taken from, uh, from artifact that had been found in, in whatever, uh, you know, cultural backgrounds. But but the design aspects, it, it's quite simple. And I get that question asked quite a lot it, that certain woods, and I'll post this sometimes, I think online, certain woods don't tolerate certain designs. So that's that's rule number one, of course, is is what wood are you working with? So and you, you had mentioned African blackwood as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very dense wood. It's a very hard wood regardless of you know taking anything energy out of the equation just the property the 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 structure of the wood itself well that's that's your first step right there you know that it's a blank slate for essentially anything that you want to do um and i think that's where that's what people don't quite understand i find especially when receiving in orders they'll ask uh, you know like you were saying about the uh, that particular one with you know name the reckoning I wouldn't be able to do that design with another softer wood whatsoever. Um, so that, that that's that's sort of where you start with design. From there, it, it there are many different variables where you can go if there's a certain type of of ritual perhaps behind it. If it's a uh, you know, there's certain types of design more for fertility ritual, as an example, or if, um, depending on the person's own per- personality profile, uh, and that's where the deeper questions kind of come into play. Um, are they more of a fiery person, just as an example, that might lead more to a, a more dynamic design, or perhaps a very, very simple design, almost resembling like a dowel really, uh, that they want a balance created there to match their, their fiery personality with something perhaps a little bit more plain, a little bit more, um, uh, you know, just straightforward. 
and then that, of course, would also lead into the type of wood being used. Uh, and that's why on like on the website, as an example, I, I keep that page up on the website going into s- small profile snippets of the characters of each wood. And I tell basically tell them to refer to that and and it takes some time to really find what you want uh, and something that really speaks to you. And then, of course, if there's a certain purpose behind it uh, that you might want. I have a lot of a lot of people who are, are, I think they just become avid collectors that they just want one of every wood uh, and they want the exact same design the, the whole way across the board. Uh, that oh, that's little, interesting. Yeah, that becomes a little, um, some education having to happen, say, well, I can't quite do that with this wood or, or that wood. And this wand could be uh, managing a, a 13 to 15 inch length as an example. But this particular wood really could only go up to about six or seven before you'll snap. Um, so you really have to know that background first. Once you know that, uh, then typically the designs, it's, it's whatever is in the moment. Um, if there's aspects naturally about the grain uh, that you want to accent, um, that's always something good. You see if it, you can naturally keep into it. So if you have someone who comes to you for the first time, they've never bought a wand before, they're, they're fairly new to this practice, um, mm-hmm. they don't really know what they're doing, what mm-hmm. would you recommend that they ask in approaching this sort of purchase? I think a few different questions. I would, I would ask what, you know, what, what are they sort of searching for? Because a lot of people I find, and again, this is, perhaps in the last whatever number of years, you kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole with that, that people, even with a different background, a religious religious or spiritual background, when I start asking questions, for some reason, it's ingrained somewhere that I'm talking like I'm Ollivander from (laughs) Harry Potter. And, (laughs) and, And it's really interesting because I've, I've, done talks with covens. I've been invited to uh, speak to new initiates. Uh, those exactly, Cassandra, what you're saying about, you know, they're, they're looking for their first wand. They're asking certain questions, good questions, but then all of a sudden they just start quoting, you know, the wand chooses the wizard or something <laughs> of that nature. And, and I kind of have to rein it back in a little bit to say, you know, typically what I would recommend is if this is your first, I would highly question what you're going to do with it. Is this going to be an actual tool that you're going to be using in practice? Is this going to be an item, perhaps just sitting on an altar? Is this going to be an item sitting in a room somewhere? And what type of room is it? Is, you know, so certain questions like this, and and then of course it's getting into their personality as well. I want to make sure that that they are paired with a wood that, if they're sensitive to energies as well, I want to make sure that they can handle that. Um, you know, coming back to I'll, I'll use the African blackwood as as that constant example uh, for now, but. You know, that's a wood that is not what I would say is, you know, a quote, beginner wood. That's 
that's up there in, in, in terms of, uh, experience level. Um, so Cassandra, I would, I would typically say, you know, start off with something simple that they can grow into, uh, that would have a deep enough energy that if they wanted to grow into it, instead of moving to, you know, a different type of wood that it would have space to allow that. So I would, I would usually say something, uh, you know, very trustworthy, like oak, as an example, um, walnut, something that might have a little bit more of a balance to it, or more of an earthly nature to it. Uh, because you wouldn't want to be heading into uh, perhaps some more fiery woods, uh, like paddock or paddock, as an example, or woods that have a very significantly different energy signature like blackwood. Um, you know, so staying, staying basic, you know, not everyone starts in formula one, you have to be driving a Honda civic at some time. <laughs> so that's what I would usually recommend or start off with. You know, not all of us have the ability to walk into a shop or walk into talk to someone like you, um, mm-hmm. to purchase something like this. Um, and, you know, I always tell my students that, uh, you already said this a little bit too, is, you know, it, it has to feel right for the person. Mm -hmm. Right. And I personally like to, to handle things. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've always picked something up and said, yes or no, this is for me or not. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you are buying something online, which often we have to do, what would you recommend in that situation? A, A lot of the times if, if someone's coming to the website or on social media and they see something and they just know, then typically I would, I would still ask questions if, if the opportunity came up for any type of dialogue, any type of messaging back and forth. You know, if they outreached to me first, I, I would ask some of those basic questions and, and kind of gauge it from there. I've, I've turned down, I, you know, I, I have uh, steered people away from, uh, you know, buying a $150 wand and said, you know what, this $20 wand is is more than what you need right now um and i think they appreciate that on some level but uh, if you can't handle it yeah i i would typically say to to message me first um i'm always answering questions online whether the website or or facebook or instagram or you know things like that and just open up that dialogue because i think I think that's really important and that's a huge factor. Uh, like you said, you know, you, you can't handle it. And, and a lot of people, uh, it, when I do events somewhere, uh, or an open house here at my place, um, that's, that's the first thing I, I tell people, I say, look, there's, you know, maybe things will change after the era of COVID, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I the first thing I say is to go ahead, pick it up. Don't worry about it. You need to feel the different energies in the woods. You need to feel the different weights of the wood. Uh, and you need to feel what's right for you. Um, because that's that. And I, I think that's something else that people, if they're really looking at it from a spiritual component from, you know, if they're going to be using it as that tool, I think from my experience, there are so many people who, it's it's almost as if they have a mind blown moment in the conversation where they say you know a they can pick it up and they're they're free to pick up anything 
or B, do you mean I could have any type of wood at any length as an example? Because I think that with some teaching, it very much, you know, and, and, and speaking with, with different parties with this uh, and knowing, and, and knowing some individuals who, who very much say, you know, it has to be 13 and three quarter inches or, or something like that. Um, or like as long as your arm and your middle finger. Exactly. Yeah. I just, oh, gee. The amount of people oh, now, that I... Now, now I'm being made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know what? And, and I think that that with that, I mean, you're, you're teaching a certain tradition. You're, you're teaching a certain background with that. If If you were doing so, from my point of view, it's to teach the why you know, why does it have to be like this? Why does it have to be like that? But at the same point, I think a lot of people that I run into, that is not done. The why isn't done. And and it's set in stone. It absolutely has to be like that. And when I tell them, look, this is ultimately supposed to be an extension of you and a focal point for energy at, at, its, very, at its very root then it, it needs to be comfortable. It needs to be feeling like it's part of you. It needs to be. So I, I've, I've had people where exactly that, it has to be the tip of the middle finger to the elbow. And they end up leaving with something that might resemble more a, a pendulum than a wand. It's so short um, because that's what, that's what they want. That's what feels most comfortable and they're most connected with. Uh, and I think that isn't focused on as much. I, I, I just find that the last number of years, there's been so much rigidity with length uh, of the wand. And I wonder, I sometimes question that since, uh, you know, coming back to Harry Potter as an example, I, th- I think that there is so much focus in the books or the movies on length and then all of these quizzes come out on social media saying, oh, your wand is a piece of rowan wood and it has to be whatever, whatever, and three quarters length. And well, that's that's fine. Uh, I can tell you that rowan wood makes actually a horrible wand in terms of strength if you're wanting a length of whatever. Um, so it, it's just that enlightenment, that that moment of, do you mean I can do this? well, this feels so much better and go from there. Well, so at the end of the day, and I think you've already kind of just answered this, what makes the best wand? Do you, do you mean just type of wood? Uh, no, like, like when a person walks into a shop yeah. um, in general, like what is it mm-hmm. about the wand? Uh, doesn't matter what wood, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, what length. What would you say uh, to someone who is asking you how to tell what wand feels right to them? And, and I'll see this at events like what, if I do a Comic-Con event, because of course, again, since Potter's come out and then sci-fi and all that stuff, that's allowed me to get into those uh, events a lot easier. And so what I find is I'll get that question at those events or, or people that they'll pick up a wand, they'll ask exactly that question. But I'll just tell them, look, just sit there for a moment. Don't be in a rush and listen to what you're feeling. 
and perhaps listen to what the wood is telling you. And people will actually sit back for the most part. They, they'll sit back and they say, hmm, well, I like, I like this particular wood. And I'll ask why. Well, it feels there's a connective nature to it. I, it feels like physically it's a part of me. Energetically, there's, there's a connection there. But I really like this one too. Well, then pick that up as well. And have the two in your hands. I don't care. You don't need to have just one in your hands. You're allowed to pick up two. You're allowed to pick up three, four. After that, then it gets a little awkward. But have fun with it in the sense of be open and and take a look at, at your options here and see what feels the best. And, and I find what's really surprising is, and, and this always happens, it always tends to happen, and then, and then it kind of draws a crowd, People will sit there, they'll have, you know, four woods of varying different styles, but four different woods, and they're they're sitting there holding it. And typically events like like a Comic-Con or, or something that doesn't have any type of a spiritual background to it, I have a chart that I that I had created with elemental associations. And I kind of use that as a little bit of a roadmap for the personality of the wood or the energy of the wood. And I find that some people will sit there with, you know, three, four, whatever wands in their hands. And I point down to the chart and I say, you do know that those four woods all fit in this one quadrant on the chart, or they're all in a a circle. I could, I could put a, you know, an inch or two inch circle around the section of the chart. And all of those woods are in that circle. So what does that tell you? And then it opens up a whole lot of questions. And then I find that that's where the conversation then starts to happen, or they start to, I think that, uh, you know, they just start to, I've I've had some people sit there and they question their own beliefs even uh, of, okay, wow, this is, this is amazing. What does this, you know, what does this tell you? What does this mean? Yeah. What does this mean? I have, there's four firewoods here or there's four woods that would be associated more with water or or, or what you know what have you and um and then as soon as i go into that and i'll start talking about the personalities of those specific woods on any event like that and they sit there and i've had people tear up in you know sitting in the in the booth and they they start saying this is exactly what either a i need or i'm looking for or feeling or they align it with some event in their life or, or something along those lines. And then that's when you can see the gears in their head really start to turn. Um, and, and for me, with the number of years that I've been doing it and the study that I've put into it and, and you know, the, the searching for information and all of that stuff, that's where that really then, that's rewarding to me. Cause I can sit there and now I'm, I'm helping someone who they were coming in for something completely different. And now they're having a spiritual journey essentially in my booth. That's awesome. And then it's, and then it's fun. You, you can in, insert, you know, whatever from there you can, uh, some people then it just seems as though the wall gets knocked down and they just start spewing information 
of, well, this is this, this is that, this is, this is absolutely amazing. And then they can't make up their mind, really can't make up their mind because they want to test everything, uh, you know, that I, that I might have there. Um, but I, just knowing that it has started something for them, uh, that's, that's rewarding. That's, that's fun to me. Um, so Chris and I were, were looking at that quadrant chart earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. It was super cool. Um, we were curious, uh, how did, like, how did you create this chart? Like, how did you find mm-hmm. which would fit where? That's a long, that, I mean, I think that chart, it, it's gone through a few different phases, you know, <laughs> look, look wise, but um, that chart, I think has been around in my office here for years, years and years. And I sort of, I I began working on that chart because I found so many questions of, well, what does this wood do? Or what does, you know, what's the personality behind this wood? And for me to sit there and explain, especially, and, and, and I'm, sort of generally speaking about ev- events or shows uh, for me to sit there and explain wood after wood all day long. Um, it just, it, it would take up too much time. So I, I created this and I, and I tried to, I, I, I thought, okay, well, the, from talking with different covens, from talking with different, you know, people from different traditions, talking with different shamans, talking with, great many different spiritual backgrounds everything there was a common factor there where it was an elemental association something would come back to an elemental association um and so i thought well this is probably the best way to go the best or the easiest way that that someone might be able to understand me talking about you know a piece of paduk well it's it's incredibly fiery and i mean the the look gives it away having that natural deep red color but looking at it on the chart well it's the the top left quadrant that's there it's the most fiery going away from the center of the chart and so once i started to place the woods in there and and a lot of this information it came from research it came from like i said asking questions to to people doing my own searches my my own uh readings with the woods themselves being sensitive to certain energies with it and then kind of narrowing it down because that this is the other thing is i can't have every wood on that chart but i'll have the woods that i'll typically use in the workshop uh and so that's where it, that's where that chart kind of was created having that roadmap for someone and a brief um, explanation of, okay, these woods have more of a dynamic personality. They're more, they're not very, you know, they're, they're grounded in a sense that there's a physical, there's a physicality about it, but they're very chaotic. Perhaps they're very focused. They're very, there's, there's a raw energy to it. So a lot of those woods, they fit in that fire category as opposed to an oak, as an example. And this is, I've had conversations with people who they flat out disagree with where I've placed some of these woods, but um, 
again, is sort of where I'm coming from. And generally speaking, the, the majority of conversations or research that I've done, how I've placed them, but, you know, with oak being so earthy and more stable, more calming, more grounding, and, and having it placed in a certain spot on that chart, if there's more of a secondary association with another element, you know, oak will tend to have more of the spiritual connection. So if you look at on that, um, on that chart, it's, it's not far out in that bottom left uh, quadrant of where earth would be. It's a little bit more heading towards the other elements, um, uh, comparing it to what I had said about uh, paddock or paduk. Uh, so it has a little bit more of a secondary to spirit. It has a little bit more of a secondary to water because oak, not as much as some other woods, oak will have more of a flowing nature about it if needed, but it doesn't really live there. It lives more in that, that grounded site. I like, I like, I like the quadrant concept. I, it's, it, I really hadn't seen anything quite like it, uh, and I like the fact that you can place the positions of the wood uh, closer to one element or another, or maybe closer to spirit in the center. Mm-hmm. Not so much as an absolute, right? But as a means right. of saying, look, relative to everything else that's in this thing, mm-hmm. and in this particular quadrant, let's say, how does it fare in relation to those other things? Is it a little bit more fair, fiery? Are we moving towards a more a more uh, brighter aspect of that, a little bit more center? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does it cross between something that can can be comfortable in both the house in the east and the house in the south? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like the quadrant format because it, it when you're coming from you sort of defining that. See, somebody's going to come to you as the expert for this, obviously, and then you're going to communicate your relationship. And this is like your relationship sheet. This is this is um this is your Yelp review, if you will, of all of your, your woods and where you would kind of place them and in that relationship. So I really dig this format quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little surprised to hear people argue about that because uh, it's, it's really not about saying you lay down the law as far as this is concerned. This is your recommendation. This is mm-hmm. how the wood yeah. feels based on, on years of your exposure to it and your exposure to other woods, I doubt many people that would argue the position of those woods has as much experience with the other woods that you're comparing it to, which is Mm -hmm. kind of what I would imagine sticks it in that place, right? I I was just going to say, and there's always exceptions to the rule as well. Uh, You know, coming back to to what you have with African blackwood, it's listed on the chart. It's it's in there, and and I believe the, the current... Uh, the current version of the chart, it's uh, it might be on the line there with uh, spirit and water. However, that is definitely a thousand percent one wood that should not even be on that chart because it doesn't fit in any of those five elements. And, and it goes with a handful of different woods, but but Blackwood's energy as a, as a rule, it does not live here. It does not live in the living realm. It lives on the other side. It lives in the spiritual realm. And that is why, um, I mean, we're, we're talking about classes of, of wands or classes of, of, um, of, you know, what I do. And you can see that online. And that's, Blackwood was the original, you know, the original realm class that I have on there. 
simply because it's just, it's so connected somewhere else. It, It comes here every so often, but it doesn't live here whatsoever. It does not belong here. And people who are highly sensitive to different energies I've had them pick up a, a, you know, blackwood wand. They immediately put it down. They cannot hold it. They're, they're the huge hell. level of nope. Yep, yep. The hair on their the back of their neck stands up. Um, I've had people at one end of a table, or w- when I've had open houses here in, in in my workshop in my office. And typically, if there's any blackwood made, I actually have it set aside. I have a, a another display for it, and. They don't even go to that corner of the room. They they stay away from it. And for myself, my own tradition, my own path, that's all I work with. That's what, that, Blackwood is, is, that's where I live. Uh, my own wand is made of Blackwood. But it's it's people's reactions with that. And, and coming back to the chart, I think Blackwood is the only one really th- that I have on there. I think you might be uh, on there as well, at least the newer chart. Uh, and that one shouldn't even really be on there. Uh, and perhaps Uroko might be uh, another one. Uh, but but yeah, that, that being said, coming back to the, the chart anyways, it's, yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's nothing hugely in concrete. It's just a roadmap. That, that's all. And gotcha. it's to ask those questions again. Uh, you know, what I had said earlier, it's, it's the asking why. And I think that's, that's the most powerful thing that you can do is ask why. And at least that will point you in the right direction. So you have three classes of ones on your website. You've mm-hmm. got the master class. You've mentioned the realm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but the Aravi. Aravi? The Avari? Yeah. Yes, that's what I meant. Avari. Sorry. What distinguishes the ones between these classes for you? How did you come up with these classes? Right. So, so the two out of that, so I, I had simplified things for this year uh, before this year became very complicated, but I had minus off uh, some classes. I had focused in a, a little bit on, on, um, on these three classes. So master class essentially would be general purpose woods, woods that a beginner or those that might be a little bit more experienced they can use at any time, essentially for any for any ritual, for any background, any anything really. Doesn't matter on the personality. From a design aspect, again, they could have usually, uh, for the most part, just uh, you know, a, a, maybe a planar design, uh, but still a little bit more on the intricate side. Uh, that could that could vary. Now. I did have one for years, uh, well, for decades. It was the apprentice class, and that was uh, they, they were woods that were much more stable to use, and woods that I would point in in the direction you know anyone uh, new to any craft, um, and those woods would would usually be, uh, or sorry, that class would usually be consisting of just a handful uh, of different woods. It was usually walnut, oak perhaps some maple, uh, maybe some butternut, something like that. Very domestic, although there were some what we would consider exotic woods in there too uh, that could be used. 
but the masterclass kind of, you know, very general, general purpose, sort of everyday jack of all trades uh, kind of woods. Uh, from there, I'd, I had mentioned Realm class. So Realm, that had been around for forever as well. I didn't really have it advertised as such uh, when it came down to um, to anything on social media or, or things like that. But those, the, so these would be woods that are definitely not beginner um, and woods that that wouldn't quite fit in in masterclass having that more refined energy, although the woods are quite refined. They are very, very unique and very energetic, very powerful, if you will, uh, in their own right. But it would be more so woods that are, they kind of deviate from the norm. So Blackwood, again, coming back to that, the original realm class, (laughs) you know, wood, in my opinion, um, woods that would be more specific to to what Blackwood could do, as an example. So it would be woods like Rocco, uh, woods like uh, Ambonia Burl, where the energy component of it is very, very powerful. You don't need a lot for it. However, in wand making, structurally, it makes a horrible wand. It's very weak. Um, so I'll typically make a lot of pendulums out of Ambonia Burl. Or woods like Paduk. So I've I've been posting a lot of Paduk recently online. Uh, I had received in uh, a nice stock of that. So that's a very very energetic wood. That's one where I'd come back to. I think I used the term. I, I like using the term Formula One car. But having a Formula One car compared to a skateboard, it's it's just on a whole other different level. And I've turned down. You know, that's one wood that I would turn down sales to. Just flat out saying this wood is extremely chaotic. There's no grounding nature whatsoever about it. It's, it's incredibly fiery. So what do you just like grab it and hold on? Yeah, it's a it's a bucking bronco, and and what you want is a Labrador retriever. This is not what you want. So realm class typically woods like that 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 are just more of in a specialty class, and then the Avari class that would be something new, more so for this year. So the Avari class kind of evolved from a few other classes that I had, you know, over the years, one of them was called the elemental class, which I mean, was kind of self-explanatory. I'd have a certain design, but it was always a different elemental association. But um, the Avari class was just more so different, uh, more artistic, I would say. Um, Woods that would look more like, um, uh, I had done a collection earlier this year. It was called the water rock uh, collection and all of the woods looked as though it was um, er- eroded by water so more more artistic in comparison to something that you would see in the master class for sure master class it's very defined uh, you have your structure of your wand your your classic wand anyways in terms of of wand making having a pummel having a, a handle having your shaft your tip or your mount depending on what tradition you're coming from sometimes different different terms are used the Avari class are just more free-flowing in design. Sometimes you can incorporate certain designs. but um, So anyways, coming back to that with a name, I, I just needed, I, I just wanted a, a different name. Um, and the Avari class is, um, uh, it was actually based off of, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a Lord of the Rings fan. So Avari kind of took it from that and, and kind of, uh, move the uh, the word around a little bit, but uh, those are the three classes that I have right now. But over the years, I think 
if I really wanted to count them up, I've had over 10 different classes, I think. Before Chris introduced me to your work, I had never heard of it before. Um, and as we're sitting here talking, I, I am doing a little bit of stalking here on Instagram and uh, <laughs> found you very easily under McCormick Wands. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to say to anyone listening that, um, you know, A, go, go look at these really beautiful, amazing pieces. Um, I may have to may have to purchase one myself. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's addicting, right? Because I've I've gotten three, and I keep going through and going. You know, I I really need more. But uh, you know, you you'd mentioned here that that you know some of these classes are going to be more complicated. They have, as as you put it, a flow. Uh, and it's not just lathe work. I'm sure it starts mm -hmm. out that way. But there are a lot of these pieces are very intricate. They've got notches. They've got designs. Uh, some of them are very asymmetrical, which has this. You know, it's it is it is a wand at the end of the day from 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 tip to pommel. It's it's straight, but everything that happens kind of on the end between can kind of twist and curve. And it often looks like, like you, you carved a candlestick with a hot scalpel. At that's, mm -hmm. It just comes off that, that smooth. So if you would, what process do you go through when you're making a wand from, from the blank to, to end product? So, well, right from the get-go, I, I have a couple of different places where I would get uh, the woods that I would use. Chiefly, there there is a store here in my region that I could I could pick up a lot of different domestic and exotic woods, and and of course they've they've come to know me over the years. So I, sometimes I get some messages, especially when blackwood comes into stock. Uh, I'll typically get a, a nice message, but I, I'll I'll go and I'll hand pick the woods, and and a lot of the time I am uh, walking through their warehouse or storeroom. And, and I have to touch everything too. I have to touch the plank of wood. I have to dig into a stack of, you know, 10 or 11, seven to 10 foot tall planks, just to see what I'm looking at, what I'm feeling or, or whatever. Uh, because a lot of different factors go into the wood themselves that could contribute. Are you looking at like knots? Yeah, or, well, or just you know maybe where the wood was in relation to the tree. Yeah, exactly. So and and that that kind of leads us into some other questions about about the energy properties of the wood. But if it's growing in a certain region, as an example, it might have you know a slightly different energy signature on it. If it's the heartwood in comparison to the sapwood, um, I want to take a look at the plank to see. Okay, well, what's the proportions? That we're talking about here the heartwood versus the sapwood because you have to think of again coming back for, to the the energy component before i go on about you know the other process is that the sapwood on some trees it's it could be very plain it could have that sort of generic wood color or you know that oak color or, or something like that which is fine but the sapwood the growing part of the tree has tends to have a little bit more of an energetic nature about it. Even if it's a calming wood, like oak, I'll, I'll come back to that as a standard example, but the sap wood. So just, just to clarify though, when you say, when you mean, yeah. when you mean heartwood, we're talking closer to the center. Yeah. Sap wood, I presume you mean closer to the outside, a little bit younger. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. So, so you get the different energy purposes or a different energy signatures with that, even using, you know, blackwood as an example, um, and, and, you know, you, you know, exactly what I'm talking about having that black 
wood. That's I mean the the name totally tells you what you what you're in for. There's no other color in it uh, typically unless you really inspect it, really look at it. But the heartwood or sorry the sapwood for blackwood looks more akin to maple or you know something like that. So it's very light. It's very it's very different, and the energy there will differ from a typical piece of just black blackwood. So that's that's the first thing that I would usually look for is I want to get the best specimen of what I'm set out to do or what what I want to do. The process from there it that really varies. So you know if if you're on if you're on the Instagram right now looking at it the every single piece that looks as though it was all done on a lathe as a, as an example, you know, something very uniform, perhaps more plain, if I could, you know, maybe describe it like that. Any of those wands, any of those given wands are at least 50% done by hand that the shaping, everything is, is not on the lathe. That kind of comes back to the way that I had started to do wands myself techniques that I, I had started to do long ago because for lathe work or for wood turning uh in comparison i haven't been doing it for that long i haven't been doing it for 30 31 years all of the ones that i were doing you know doing back then were all hand carved everything was hand carved um and of course different techniques depending on the wood it'd be carving actually by hand sometimes it would be power carving it would it would it would it would vary it would depend on the wood um but that being said, again, the woods, the wands that look as though they're done on the lathe are at least half not done on the lathe. I'll shape them by hand. Um, other woods, you know, other wands that are on there. Um, now you, you have me curious. I'm trying to actually get to my Instagram to see. As an no, I, I would just like to emphasize how truly amazing these things are. Like I, uh, I am not at all a woodworker. I have only tried to carve a, a few very small things in my life and they have never turned out very well. It depends though. It depends on the wood. Like it, it, at the end of the day, this is generally what I say. It, it always depends on the wood. It depends on what you're looking for. It depends on on what you have available to you, which I mean, in my workshop, I have everything available to me, whatever I need, but you know, some woods, they, they, they don't take to the lathe very well. Other woods, they don't take to carving very well. Like African blackwood as an example, again, very, very dense, very, very heavy wood. I'm sure that you could, you can attest to that when you're working with it, the shavings that come off are so fine. Um, it's like powder coming off and that's, you might not expect that, but again, it's the, the, the working characteristics of the different woods that you have to really know. And then the tools that you're using. So, I mean, besides any lathe work, you know, I I'll shape by hand, I'll carve by hand. Uh, I'll do some power carving depending on what, what it is. There are some woods that sort of my own tradition, uh, and, and, you know, workshop tradition, not any type of a spiritual tradition, but, but work workshop tradition, you know, they don't touch the lathe at all. Nothing power happens with them. Um, 
I kind of personally refuse to to do that. So African sapele as an example, uh, one of the woods, it kind of looks like a mahogany. I only carve that by hand. And there's, there's reasonings for it because, you know, it's a, it's a sentimental wood to me. Uh, it was one of the first exotic woods that I started working with way back when. So kind of keeping that tradition there of no power to it. <laughs> it's, it's all by hand. So I really just shaping it like that. Uh, the other thing though, too, and this is where, uh, you know, talking about different technique is, is for some reason, it always creates this debate at events, at live events, that people don't believe me, the coloring of the woods. And, and I just, I just sit back and I laugh sometimes it's, it's, it's funny, the comments, it's, it's amazing. Some of the comments, you know, no, 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 you've painted this, you've stained this, you've done this, whatever. From day one, I refuse to put any type of a lacquer, any type of a paint, uh, any type of a dye, anything unnatural like that. I will refuse to do that. Um, I've had custom orders come in and they call for, uh, you know, this part to be painted, this part to be painted. And I flat out, I, I will deny the, the custom order. Um, and that I think looking at other wand makers that I see on social media as an example, I think that's something that, that sets my work apart, perhaps. It's always natural color or a natural, how you get to that color is going to be a natural means. Um, so nothing synthetic onto it. Uh, nothing, like I said. No so I've noticed paint. some of them do have kind of like a, a difference in color. Mm-hmm. Is there a burning method that you use or? Right. So that's that's the key right there. So you need to know, of course, your, your woods and I'll use for this one, I'll use purple heart as an example. And if, and if you go back on some of those posts, uh, because I had a, a really amazing piece of, of purple heart, uh, in stock. That's what so, I'm, I'm looking at right now. And I was about to ask yeah, you okay. because this color is, yeah. well, there's, it's, um, there's the one that is like a bright shocking purple and the other one's a very, uh, warm pinkish red color that I would never mm-hmm. think was natural. Mm-hmm. So, so that is, that's the natural color. I'm looking at one, uh, on the Instagram right now. It's actually, it's probably, it's the picture of the purple heart. It's very, uh, streamlined and it's, uh, the picture that's right underneath my dog, uh, Hawkeye. And it's a picture taken in, in the grass of the wand. So yes, I'm just sort I'm, of looking, looking at, at that. that as it's a beautiful wand. They're all beautiful, but this one's. So that, so that purple, that, that, that is the natural color of the wood. Certain woods will play more to any flame technique or any searing technique, burning technique. So this, of course, this is where the knowledge of working with different woods will come into play. Simply because, and you know, Purple Heart has that example, some of the slabs that you get will look more flamingo pink than, than purple. And after you're, you're working with it, when it gets time to, to really finish, you know, after you're sanding and, and things like that. And, and what I will put on the wand, I have a beeswax um, uh, natural mixture that I typically will put on most of the woods just to give it that, you know, that final shine, that final finished look. But I'll, I'll burn, especially with Purple Heart, it'll, it'll react really well, um, a searing technique with uh, a torch. 
And so you can draw out, even though a lot of the woods that you'll get from, from these stores, these wood stores, uh, you know, they say that they're kiln dried, you know, they're not air dried or anything like that. They go through the kiln process of, of removing any moisture from the wood. Yes, it'll do that, but it won't take out all of the moisture and it won't take out all of the oils that are present naturally in the woods. So you need to learn how to manipulate the existing oils in the woods. And Purple Heart is a fantastic example at that because with a little bit of searing, not too much, because that's, you know, looking at that picture that that uh, that I pointed out, the shaft and the tip, of course, I want it to be black. So you need to, to sear that a little bit more and draw out uh, all of the oil. And then, then you get into actually burning the wood. Uh, and so then you'll get the, the black from it. And you'll see that in other examples too, perhaps in the pummel or the handle, I'll, I'll do that technique. But you need to know the signs to look for as you're burning the wood, because some woods to draw out some of the oils to manipulate some of the coloring naturally, it's a split second going from, okay, you got your flame on. Oh, there's the color. Now it's burnt and it's burnt to a crisp. <laughs> so you really need to know where, <laughs> where that balance is. Purple Heart is really nice to, to try it out with if, if anyone is using that technique, because it'll, it'll start to, um, depending on how hot you have your flame, it'll start to draw out the, the coloring within seconds. You can see it, you know, going more purple. And then if you go a little bit too long, the wood will actually go white. And that's the, the final oil kind of drawing up to the surface. And then that oil, um, you know, burning off, you'll, you'll see the bubbling with it. And then after that point, it's, it's too late. You, you'll go black from there. You've, you've actually burned the wood. So it's a very fine technique. You can do the same thing with different types of sandpaper, depending on the wood. So you don't need to actually use the flame for it. You can do it with sandpaper or do it from friction. But yeah, coming back to that type of, of technique, it just plays with what I've always tried to do of not uh, adding anything synthetic, not adding anything unnatural to the wood. Those that do, that's fine. That's their own way of doing it there's no you know there, there's no uh, uh, set book of this is how you have to do it there's different traditions in, in wand making it's it's how you how you relate to the wood how you work with it and and what you're trying to achieve how many wands do you think you've made over the years so right now I believe I'm at uh, with the current numbering system, 5,770 something or 80 something, somewhere around there. Wow, that's now incredible. I, I, know, <laughs> I, I know that if I were to go back and look at absolutely everything, which I know for a long time, I wasn't recording things the same way, but sort of doing an average, I'm well over 10,000 for sure. So then let me ask you, how much time does it take to, and I know this is going to vary a bit, but just on an average, let's say, uh, let's masterclass kind of wand, right? How much time goes into a masterclass wand? Uh, between 10 and 20 minutes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Depending on, depending on the wood, perhaps maybe, yeah, closer to 10, sometimes maybe closer to 21. <laughs> This is... That's I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm shocked because I hear 
I hear, you know, uh, some lathe. I hear, you know, sand it down. I hear a lot of hand stuff, and you're like 10 to 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, my God. He must be moving at lightning speeds. This is, this is what creating 10,000 wants will do for you. Yeah, and this, you know, and, and it's, look, I... Uh, you you are you are a a master wandsmith, and I say that in the most technical way. Like when you, when we talk about, and when you call anybody a master for one, the the default here is that a person spent ten thousand hours doing what they do. Like that's the technical, if you will. And I don't remember who initially pulled that out, but this concept that you you know, ten thousand hours makes you more or less a master, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not just also in the time that you've spent making the wand. You've no doubt invested a ton of time in marketing it and getting to know people and getting a feel for what works for them as well as what will work for the wood. Mm-hmm. You've likely got well over ten thousand hours. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't. I don't use the term master lightly when we're talking about you know um, a, a title or a designation of of uh, your skill level. Mm-hmm. But okay, so let's let's flip it to the other side then. Uh, not the master class ones, uh, the realm class. Let's say, uh, realm realm class would be possibly the same, simply because I mean it, it, the it, it's the energy of the wood that would change at that point. The design, perhaps not so much. So some of the woods, like a you know like a black wood, a little more dense. I'd add on maybe five five more minutes to that, uh, and it's more so when you're working the. Uh, working through the shaft component because you have to get down to that diameter uh, depending on how you've cut your blank. So yeah, a few more minutes added on to that. Now, some of the lines that I've done recently, uh, which is new from last year and this year where I, I have purposely created similarities in, in the, uh, in the designs. Um, I mean, they get quicker as you go anyways, because it, that was one of the purposes behind it for for myself to kind of speed up some time in the workshop. But you know, the the rapier line was one of the the more popular ones the end of last year and this year, uh, and that has a more of a spiraled handle. So that that might take maybe, depending of course on the wood, maybe about a half hour to do. It depends again depends on the wood because sometimes those spirals are done. Uh, a little bit more on the power carving. Sometimes it's more on the hand carving. So it, it depends on the wood. I, I've I've just found actually going back. I've looked at um, some info that I have here and the the reckoning that you have out of blackwood. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I remember that specifically as I usually do with any of the blackwood. That took about I'd say about forty to forty five minutes. I think. Wow, that's remarkable for that one. Uh, Chris, when we, we talk about this wand, is this the, the one that I thought looked sharp and bitey? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the one where I was like, that's the one where I was telling you, was uh, I showed you, was I said that you know it's, it's, it's smaller. I said, but I can hold it in such a way that I just barely have two fingers on it, and I can do some very intricate movements with it mm-hmm. without fearing it falling out of my hand. And I'm not like how I'm not full gripping it. It's literally between two of my fingers mm-hmm. with maybe a little bit of flick on the back end from another finger, but that it is a very specific, very, uh, it was one of those that's sort of very commanding to a point is what the feeling that I had from that. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the one that I was describing in that way. Um, and that's interesting, having now heard both of you discuss this one, too, because um, I have never actually held this wand in person. I've only seen it, and it definitely made me want to, like, back way off. <laughs> it was just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, its energy is so unique. And again, I, I think I'd mentioned that that typically it's it's closer to Samhain, you know, the, the end of September, beginning of September, perhaps, but definitely into October that I end up getting a lot of requests for Blackwood simply because of its connection to the other side. So I, I mean, I, my own, you know, Blackwood wand, you know, that that's, that's mine. That's, that's the wood that I feel most connected with, but I, I have sold a lot of Blackwood to uh, different paranormal investigation groups let alone, you know, anything related to spiritual background in terms of, you know, religion or energy practice, but, but different paranormal, paranormal groups. And I have seen posts, you know, sent back to me of pendulums as an example of, uh, you know, the, the typical thing you'd see on, on the history channel or, or something of uh, a paranormal investigation. And they have the video camera set up and these two individuals are sitting at a table, um, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, because that's when everything always happens at two o'clock in the morning. And the video of this pendulum sitting on a special mount in the middle of the table, and they're sitting there asking questions and they're doing all these different things. And it looks as though it's special effects, the movements of the pendulum itself, or if they have a blackwood wand or anything like that, that it just feels as though it's, you know, if they have it in a pocket or they have it in their hand, they either have to put it down or they can't put it down for some reason, just some strange connection to it. And then from there, I mean, you, you get into really specific practices as well. There's, there's one, uh, practice that I had spoken with a a group about um, a coven. It was a family coven and and they were from Europe and they had done a lot of work, sort of past life regression, uh, you know, different things like that. And and Blackwood, I had shipped, I don't know how many Blackwood wands essentially for the coven over. And and there were definitely more than 13. So I think people had got more than one for themselves. The technique that they would use, I think it roughly translated to ground letting. So like bloodletting, but it was groundletting. And it was a practice of communication and they would essentially go into a cemetery or a graveyard. And it was a, a form of meditation at a specific site. Sometimes it would be at a certain grave. Sometimes it would be in a certain region of, uh, of the cemetery or underneath a certain tree, depending on what they were feeling. And they would sit down, they would, they would meditate or, or, openly talk uh but the wands themselves would be stuck into the ground so the tip the shaft would go into the ground uh and there was more Mm. physical connection there to anything spiritual and so it was it was very interesting hearing them and then hearing you know uh, about the paranormal investigation groups and and some of the things and and one individual that i spoke to of that uh you know one of those groups uh that had experienced the the pendulum movements, they said that they had actually left after the pendulum had done so. They both got up and they left the room and they had been doing investigations for years. I don't know how many years, but years anyway. And and they they didn't return. They didn't turn off any of their <laughs> any of their equipment. They just left. Uh, they said, okay, who has the keys? Uh, we'll come back tomorrow. 
<laughs> and uh, we'll pick up our stuff. It, it had freaked them out so much. Uh, and so then I had to, you know, discuss the properties behind that wood, which shed some light on it a little bit. And then, of course, well, when when are you going to have more in stock? Because we might want more. <laughs> we left the last one in the house. Yeah, that was the last one. Sorry, it's uh, and the next one is triple the price. No, I'm just joking. But <laughs> but no, it's it's very unique, and 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 that goes to a, a lot of different woods, and that's where that class uh, really solidified itself, uh, and and just giving it the name Realm class. You've got a lot of woods that you've worked with. Are there any woods? be it because of maybe the rarity of the wood um, or how it's harvested. Are there any woods that you will not work with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. As f I mean, that's where it becomes difficult uh, at times, finding out where a specific wood uh, would be harvested from, certain regions. I'll use a lot of the African woods as an example. I will typically... A couple of times a year, I'll uh, search for, you know, certain woods. It's a lot of the rose woods I find uh, the last couple of years uh, that have been placed on the CITES lists, uh, the red lists for uh, either, you know, the, the species is threatened or endangered or the, uh, the trade of that wood is internationally restricted or it's been outright restricted, um, things like that. I will still be able to sometimes get my hands on, you know, some of those woods. Uh, and typically that's where uh, contacts or friends that I've made, uh, not, you know, <laughs> I don't want to sound like they're, you know, shady friends. That's not what I'm getting at. But <laughs> friends who, who have been collecting woods and have their own workshops, uh, you know, across the country or, or something. And they say, oh, well, actually, I, I have a piece of that. And it's the dimensions you know, I can't do anything with it, but you can for a wand. So how about I ship it over to you or come by and get it or, or whatever. So I've done that with, uh, with a couple of different woods. I had got a slab of, uh, from a good friend of mine, uh, some Brazilian rosewood. And that's, uh, you essentially, you just can't really get that anymore. And if I were to sell any, internationally, which I have had to do, I have to get special papers from the government to accompany that wand or that wood across any border. Uh, so it wouldn't become confiscated. And so you gotcha. Is it, this was this papers basically proving that, that the wood was acquired before it became rare, before it became under, um, a threat or was being mismanaged in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It would state that it would state the, you know, the genuine nature of the wood that it's not, uh, you know, anything else that you are indeed in declaring that's the, the wood, uh, you know, it, it, so on from there. And, and typically that would, you know, that would add a significant cost to a, a very expensive wood to begin with, mm -hmm. but you'll, you'll see if you end up Googling stories of uh, Brazilian rosewood, because a lot of rosewoods, the, some people call them tone woods. Uh, you know, they, they're used a lot for instruments. Um, and Brazilian rosewood, there are a couple of different stories of uh, guitarists having this wood either inlaid into their guitar or, I mean, I've even heard stories of the entire guitar being made of, of that specific wood, uh, which I can only imagine the price of, and it being taken away from them at the border during a tour. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. Wow. So I, I have, I have several pieces of that wood. I have actually sold one 
since I've received it, but um, I've made, I, I've kept it for myself. So I, I made my wife, uh, you know, her wand out of this. I have uh, a wand in my office that I don't use, but it's, uh, I call it my familiar wand. Uh, and that's uh, the, the picture of my dog online, Hawkeye. Uh, so I have some of his fur actually inside of the wand and it's capped off with some copper. Um, and so that's, if you will, it's a, a like a horcrux of him. And uh, so the, the, that was a popular class of wand, having a cord wand uh, at uh, at shows over the years since the, the Potter books had come out. So I, I would do that typically. But uh, but yeah, that that specific wood it would be an example of uh, of one that I I don't I, I haven't sought out since, but one that I would definitely stay away from. And some woods that are rare here, uh, even in the states, as an example the region that they're from are they're they're so not rare um they're used so often like purple heart as an example um you know wood from from sort of northern south america going down um more so into south america um i've spoken with people down there who say oh yeah my my patio is made out of purple heart you know, they, they, they use it like we might use pine or cedar for things. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's just absolutely amazing. Because it's just so common there. Yeah. It's so common there, but then with different rules or different uh, uh, trade law, we, you know, we, we still see a significant amount of it, but uh, definitely not like down there. Um, so what, what is the most um, unique wand or custom job that you've, ever been asked to do i was just curious about the the types of things people ask for um that oh. you that you wouldn't think was standard yeah um hmm. has anyone ever asked for a phallic shaped one? Oh yes yeah oh yeah there we go oh, yeah very very much very much so um priya pick wands that's i mean that's that's what they're called uh typically with, with different uh, fertility ritual and 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 usually that that's when I if I get any Santos mahogany that's uh, they make very nice uh, uh, woods for that purpose but but you no know, yeah very phallic um, you know could you accentuate this could you make this that much more of a different shape or yeah strange requests like that but I find that out of a week you know I, because I do get a lot of messages and questions. Uh, every day I will have to usually turn down not just not because I don't want to but uh, I'll get a lot of requests for wands that are segmented wands so so wands that will have half this half that yeah multiple different woods and usually when I reflect back to them saying you know this design first of all that that you sent me that I can't really maybe make out the drawing itself but your explanation of it sounds very interesting. Um, and the woods that, that you would like certainly are very interesting. However, from experience, I know that this particular wood and this particular wood from a durability standpoint or from a workability standpoint, they are not going to glue together. So, so they might have this incredibly complex design, which I, I may actually turn down anyways, because the, the, the bad thing with woodworking is that once you take wood away from a design, you can't add it back. So 
you need to make sure, first of all, you know what you're doing with it. But if you take too much wood away, and especially if it's a certain type of wood, it, it's going to fall apart in your hands. And so they, they don't typically like to hear that, but they do appreciate that insight typically. You know, I can't, I can think of a number of different ones, but that tends to be the most uh, frequent uh, thing that happens. It's the, the design is so complex that either, you know, I, I kind of sit there and I question, well, how, how exactly can you hold this? Because I try to test, you know, especially if it's on the lathe or, I mean, even more so when it's hand carved, I, I want it to feel ergonomic at the same time, uh, that it's comfortable, comfortable to hold that there's a balance to it, given the weight and, and everything. But some of the requests are just, they're mind boggling. I kind of go, this, I, I, I'm not going to do that because it's going to break on you uh, and you're going to waste your money. I don't want you to waste your money. I, I think that's the most frequent thing. So, all right. So you get Priapic once. Are there any examples of that on Instagram? Um, and I would totally get if you if you couldn't necessarily put those up. Yeah, I don't think I have any examples on there right now. I, I had gone back on... Uh, even on the Facebook page and kind of did a little bit of a spring cleaning with, with older posts. And I think the ones that were on there, I, I believe that they were deleted. I mean, essentially it, it, it really varies w w when you're getting into a specific design like that. Typically, you know, the pummel and the handle part, not very long at all. Uh, the shaft is, you know, tends to be a little longer, but then at the tip, that that's where it really varies. It could be, it'd be, more spherical, kind of almost look like, a, you know, a type of drumstick even, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or for like for a timpani uh, drum or, or just like a really long mushroom. Yeah. Really long mushrooms, you know, very, or, or, or very, very, very subtle. Just, just that much of a bulge there, if you will, you know, so it, it really varies. And, and typically I will do those more on, request uh and it's more so in the spring uh or early summer the rest of the year i could i, I could make a bunch of them i can make a bunch you know tomorrow and post them tomorrow night and and they'll probably be sitting in the workshop for another year uh before people will buy them so th those are really? very specific i see so it sounds more like it like people are looking for traditional ones whereas uh, some of the prayer ones are, are more, dare I say, more like ceremonial mm -hmm. yep. uh, based in a way. So that's really interesting. I would be curious to see uh, pictures of that myself. But given given the, the kind of the ebb and flow, and, and I'm looking at a number of the, the sort of wavy, I guess is the best way to put it, almost, almost pedal-esque mm -hmm. uh, shafts of these wands, have you had any requests for something a little bit more Volva-esque? Uh, yeah, actually, I've had uh, one order comes to mind, and it was um, it, it was uh, a pagan couple anyways, and they were having a hand-fasting ceremony. And the woman wanted more of an open-shaped, um, kind of like a, almost a chalice shape. But the, the, mm -hmm. I would have to maybe, <laughs> I don't know if I would have explain that, but more, yeah, more of a chalice shape, more of a, a Delta wing shape. Uh, but the interior of the wand would be hollow um, to, to sort of symbolize that. And then the, the gentleman had wanted more of a prepic 
style. And then they would be using that in their actual hand fasting ceremony. They would be holding, uh, you know, each their own. And then, so yeah, I, I have had requests for that. Not too often though. That's even more rare, I find. We're uncovering, we're asking about all of these ones that you don't have pictures for. Um, <laughs> You, you should have like hot sauce, right? You go into a hot sauce shop. You've always got that one wall that has like the, the cloth over the hot sauce because right. it's that, that 18 and up hot sauce bottles. Yes. That's what you need mm-hmm. is you need the, the cloth hot sauce bottle part of your website that has those kind of wands. That's right. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, <laughs> well, I we've reached kind of the end of the show. I think we're, we're kind of rounding about at the time. Sure. So uh, what I'd like to do is I want to open it up and and give you a few minutes. Tell us where you are online, uh, what you're going to be doing. I know I know we're still under COVID restraints here, but if there are shows coming up in the future that we could possibly rush to, tell us what you got going on. Uh, well, right now it's well as as you pointed out, it's 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 the time of COVID. So um, basically everything that I had going on for the spring and the summer has been canceled in terms of events. Uh, and get-togethers that I would typically do. Now, I, I have done a lot online uh, social media conversations for consults and, and things like that. So that's always available. I think the next event that I have that hasn't been canceled yet is in September, which I'm assuming is still going to be canceled. And that's the Ottawa, uh, the Ottawa Comic-Con. I'm not too sure. Usually in uh, November... Uh, I take part in a, a multi-day market. It's a very, it's a large show, and that's actually at the Canadian Museum of History. Uh, so I've done that the last number of, of years, and it's uh, it's probably the the bigger show of the year. I'll create. I think last year uh, I had created three hundred wands to be on display uh, just at that show. Uh, so that's usually wow. the, the larger show for the year. Uh, and it, it outstrips, a, uh, you know, a Comic-Con, if anyone's familiar with a Comic-Con show. So right now, uh, I've, the last number of months, I've been trying to make the switch from in-person events and the stock that I would typically have at even a small in-person event, I would typically try to have at least at minimum uh, a base of 100 wands at a show. And so kind of going through all the stock that I had made for all the canceled shows online and really switching to be more of an online presence for selling. So what I've been doing the last, uh, let's see, maybe about the last month, uh, I've been doing small batches each week. Uh, so anywhere from five to 10 wands perhaps, and I'll give little teasers or a post uh, every so often during the week. And then usually Friday night around seven o'clock, uh, my time, which is Eastern time, uh, I'll do some social media posts and I'll put everything on the market page on the website. And that's at uh, www.mccormickwands.com. Um, and so that's where uh, I'll put things now. And so I'll, I'll keep anywhere from 15 to 20 wands online. Um, and hopefully that number will just will grow uh, as I go. So it's it's quite busy and just trying to keep up with with everything. I'm I'm a, a hair away of of basically being full time, uh, just doing wands full time. So that's that's sort of where it's at now. So it's very much a year of of transition into a different style of things. Waiting to see what happens for the rest of the year, because we still have uh, a lot of restrictions. We'll we'll see what happens. 
the rest of, of 2020. But as things go, it's actually, I think people from, from my experience so far, I think people have kind of latched on to online anyways. What are we now? We're June 22nd. And since January, I'm still, I'm probably at at least 400 wands made already. So it's, it's turning out to actually be a fairly good year considering everything that's going on. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very thankful for that. Um, because of course, with a small business, you, you worry when you see large businesses, uh, close their doors. Uh, so, oh, sure. Yeah. So I, I, I yeah. Or, or, or your competition basically closes up. So, hey, you know, good for you, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think maybe, you know, I, I think that maybe goes to show the the following of the, or at least the base that I've had for years and years. Um, and so, you know, taking that opportunity or taking this opportunity to, to thank everyone. And so for me to say that I, I can't keep up uh, with things that's, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. So thank you, uh, to anyone who, who follows and is listening. Well, that's awesome. McCormickWands.com, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K-W-A-N-D-S.com. Same name, uh, no spaces there for Instagram as well as Facebook. And you've got pictures. I mean, there's no one place really to find the pictures. You really need to, to follow him on Instagram. You need to get onto Facebook to see those pictures. Uh, and you, of course you need to check out his website to see what comes up and is available for order. It's it's the fact that uh, you really have to spread across all of the social media that you've got available to get the full impact and perspective of everything that you put together in your arc is pretty awesome. Brandon, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I would just really like to echo that. It's, it's so rare that um, you get to, to speak to someone like yourself. Um, it's been a real treat. Thank you so very much for having me, and I wish you guys the best. And with that, this is Reverend Wade. This is uh, Witch Cassandra. <laughs> you should do that one over again, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I should. Uh, this is your librarian, Witch Cassandra. And this is Witchcraft Deconstructed. Thank you for listening.